Well, thank you so much for coming out today. So good to see you. And uh, every time I look out on here, I see brand new faces. And I really want to thank you for, for joining us today. And um, we're a church that loves community. We're a church that loves to get to know people. And um, we have this thing called the iConnect card. Um, we don't actually have a membership for the church. We, we want people to commit and let us know that this is their, their church because we take leading and pastoring people very seriously. But um, we'd love to get to know you. Uh, and so if you'd like some more information and so on. And one of the things we don't often advertise, but it's my favorite uh, thing that we have in connecting, is we have an app. And uh, even an old guy like me can use it. So um, encourage you to down the Oceanside app. It's got everything on there, the sermons, everything that's going on in the life of the church. And finally, Keir Taylor next week. He's a friend of mine. I've known him since the early 80s, um, and he's got an incredible story. I've actually been uh, in parts of Africa with him, and we've seen mighty, mighty things happen by the power of God. And he was a special forces guy, uh, and uh, he was saved, radically saved on the battlefield. And, uh, and he, he's certainly, if I would... Um, um, describe Keir would be a soldier for Christ. He's committed his life. He's a guy that w- moves in power, trusts God for the power of God. And I'm believing for a, a tremendous release next week. And so please invite your friends. You've got those little things on your chair there. If you could um, um, take those and, um, and make a note of it and, and invite others, that would be amazing. Wonderful. So... Please don't look so serious. <laughs> God is good. <laughs> and I'm going to have fun up here tonight, uh, today. Amen. So we've been looking, last week we started looking at uh, parts of the early church. Before that, we looked at uh, what it means to be born again. We looked at the baptism of the Holy Spirit and all of those amazing things. And, um, and I, we love questions. And if you would like to know what we believe on those things. Uh, all of our things are on the app, our services, our sermons, uh, and on our website. And I would encourage you to, to listen to them because it's important that you know what we believe. And it's important for us to be able to give a biblical account of why we believe what we believe. Amen? Amen. You know, it doesn't really matter in God's economy what I um, believe or what you believe. What matters is what does the Word of God say and can we believe that and come to that? So we always love that there's no such thing as a bad question. And I don't mind what it is. Uh, uh, and so please uh, feel free if you have questions to ask one of the leaders. So we look, we've been looking at the early church, a church that was not only filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, but understood the purpose of the power And that's what I want to start focusing on. You know, so much is spoken about the Holy Spirit and infilling and refilling and overfilling and all the wonderful fulfillings that God does. But God does it for a purpose, and we're going to look at that today. You see, the Holy Spirit was not only given for the early church or for our benefit, but for the benefit of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel is simply the good news that Jesus came to earth to take upon our sins, to die for us, to pay the price 
for our sins so that we could be restored and reconciled to our Father. And the, the early church was commissioned. In Matthew 28, we see that, to go and make disciples. Uh, and they were empowered by the Holy Spirit and simply empowered to shine the light of God in a dark and lonely world. In Matthew 4, 16, we read this. The people are walking in darkness, that are walking in darkness, have seen a great light. Those living in the land of deep, on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. This was a confirmation of Isaiah 9-2, who prophesied the Messiah would come, the light of the world. And church, we live in a land of great darkness. We live in a world of great darkness, amen? But there's a light that shines, and we're going to speak about that, and we're going to look at how we can be lights ourselves for Jesus Christ. John 8 verse 12, speaking of who the light is, it's important that we understand who the light is. It says, I am the light of the world. Jesus is an amazing man. He always drew a line in the, in the sand. And go and study the I am's of God in the book of John. And uh, he also said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, John 14, 6. And he said this, that no man will come to the Father but through me. Jesus said, I'm the way, the only way to the Father, but anyone who believes can come. But there's only one door. And I've said this before, if there was a fire in this place and there was only one fire exit, all of us could run through it if we wanted to. There's only one door, but it's open to everybody. And that's like Jesus Christ. There's one door, but it's open to us all. Isn't that amazing? You see? And if you and I are born again, born of the Spirit, we are carriers of the light of God. The earliest church understood this, that the power of God also understood of the power of God's unconditional love. They were rooted and established in love. And that's something that I want to uh, speak about today. We spoke of the power of the Spirit for signs, wonders, and miracles last week. Now we're going to speak of the power of the Spirit that manifests, wants to manifest God's unconditional love through every single one of us. You see, this love, we need to understand, the love of God can never be earned or achieved. That is religion. Religion says if you do this, 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 then whatever God you serve will do this, this, this. The problem with religion is like a stairwell that we're walking up and we get halfway near to the top to so-called nirvana, whatever it is, and we make a mistake and we fall right back to where we begin. See, gospel, the gospel is a gospel of grace. It's not a gospel of what we did. It's a gospel of what God did on our behalf. And I love to see Christianity, true Christianity, empowered by grace like this. It's like an escalator. How many of you go to the airport and there's stairs and an escalator? I bet you 90% get on the escalator. My wife runs up the stairs and I smile at her while I go past her. And that's what grace is. 
we are standing to heaven, and we're standing on this escalator, and when we fall, even if we fall on our butts on the escalator, we're still going upwards. We fall upwards with God. And that's amazing grace and the love of God. And this love was demonstrated in John 3.16, verse 17. You know this extremely well, but I want to read it for you again so that we can get a fresh revelation of how much God loves us. For God so loved the world that he gave. And we're going to see that the love of God is not passive, but it's active. God didn't just love the world and say, man, I really love these guys, but they really suck and they're all going to hell. (laughs) But I love you guys. No, he did something about it. We're going to speak about that as Christians. And who did God give? Who did God give? He didn't say Angel Gabriel or Michael or one of the other angelic hosts. He gave His only begotten Son, His one and only Son. He gave His very best that whomsoever believe in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Jesus Christ. God loves, so he gave. This is the unconditional, supernatural love of God the Father that can never be Achieve, church. It's only received. No matter how bad you've been or how good you've been, you need salvation. Interesting, on the cross, cross speaks of two relationships to me. The, the vertical relationship with God, the Father, God, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and a horizontal relationship with each other. We cannot love God if we don't love each other. The Bible says that. But on that cross were two thieves. One mocked God, and one simply said, you know, pretty much say, Jesus, you don't really believe to be here. I can see you're the Son of God. But if you can show your grace on me, if you can pour out your grace upon me, remember me. That's all he said. And he said, today... You'll be in paradise with me, in heaven with me. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. That grace is bestowed on every one of us, and that grace is not cheap. That grace is not to see how far we can Run away from God before we fall off the edge. That grace is, gives us access to the Holy of Holies through the blood of Jesus, bought with the blood of Jesus. The cost of grace was Jesus Christ. That we couldn't save ourselves, and He poured out His grace upon us. And Romans 5, 5 says this, that He pours His love into our hearts by His Spirit. And it's a love that needs to be shared church. 
a supernatural love that is never passive, but always active. Because God loved us, He did something about it. He gave His Son. Because Jesus loved us, He did something about it. He came to earth and paid the price for our sins. And we see this played out in passages like Romans 5 and 6. We see God's active love in action. We cannot have passive love and say we love. It's an active love. And I get undone every time I read this passage. Romans 5, 6 to 8. You see just at the right time. Every one of us has had a just at the right time. And your just at the right time might be today. I want to tell you that God loves you. God cares for you. If, you love, if you've never heard this before, I want you to know that, that He paid the price for your sin past, present, and future. And I want you to also know, if you, like me, have sometimes been like a prodigal son and gone, moved away from God, God is yearning for you to come home. He's already paid that price through the blood of His Son shed on the cross. And He's calling you home. And I'll tell you, there's two voices that will speak into your, uh, into your, into your mind and into your heart sometimes. One is a, a, an aggressive voice of the enemy that will condemn you and say, you don't deserve this. And one is the soft voice of the Holy Spirit. God loves you. He cares for you. Come home. If the voice is telling you to run away from God because of what you've done, it is not God's voice. If it's saying, I know, but I paid the price, and I want you home, that is the voice of God. And God is calling sons and daughters home and the lost into the kingdom just at the right time. When we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God actively demonstrates active love, His, love, his own love for us in this. Whilst we were still sinners, He sent His only begotten Son to die for our sins on the cross. Church, we're going to read a passage, and this passage always grips my heart. It's going to be a short message because I, I'm pray, uh, we have two people that I want to share in this body, uh, to come and share today that I believe are walking this out, two of many in this place. Ordinary people that are doing extraordinary things for God. You see, we read this in Isaiah 58, verse 3 to 12. This is an interesting time in the history of Israel. And, and um, some of the commentators will say that this, this Isaiah 58 was written uh, with, to the northern tribes, of Israel that had already been taken into exile. They'd been warned, turn back, turn back, and they hadn't. 
And they were now in exile. They were now away from God. And we read this. As they are complaining to God of their situation, and they are doing things to get God's attention, and they're wanting God to turn things around for them. And God engages them in a conversation. And this is their conversation to God. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not answered or you have not noticed? They ask God very good questions. And he has God's answer. He says, because on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all the workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and striking another with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect to be heard on high. Listen to this, church. Is this the kind I have chosen only for a man to humble himself? Only for a man. They had come into the, temp to the temple or they'd come to wherever they were meeting at the time and they were fasting and praying and they had sackcloth. They were doing all the religious things. Sackcloth on, putting ashes on them, wailing to God. They were honoring him with their lips, but their hearts were far from him. And that's why they were in exile. He says, is this a fasting? Is it only a bound one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Then he says, is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and to untie the cause of the church, there are injustices in the city. There are things happening in the city. In our Thursday night prayer meeting, we had some teachers here. One's a vice principal of a school. was telling us this month, in the last month alone, four to five students in Nanaimo have overdosed. Lost, hopeless. Four to five in a month. In Nanaimo. He says, we've got to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, the yoke of sin that is over them. We have got to set the press free and break every yoke. Then he says, this is, is it not what I want? You to share your food with the hungry? To provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them, and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. He says, love has to be worked out in action. I can tell somebody I love them till the cows come home and do nothing about helping them. Imagine if God did that. Guys, I really love you, but you're going to burn in hell forever because I'm really not going to do anything about it. But no, I love you. No, he loved and he gave his very best. He says, I promise you, 
I promise you, and this is a promise for us, there's a, there's a new covenant. People will say this is old covenant. There's a new covenant example of this, which I'll show you in the, in the, word, of God, in the word of God. He says, if we do that, your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. The promises of God. This is what will happen, church. When we look after the ones Jesus died for. Matthew 25. He talks about the sheep and the goats. And the, the difference between the two really was this. One looked after the poor. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was in prison, you visited me. And he goes on and on. He says, and what you did to the least of those, you did for me. Then your righteousness. I, church, I was pierced to the heart when we were praying here. Five kids in our school overdosing in a month. We have got to rise up, church. We carry the light of the world. And this is not to bring condemnation, I believe. This is to bring freedom. Because when we do this, God says His glory will be our real God. His glory will come up along us. You will call on the Lord when you do these things, and, I will, and you will cry for help, and I will say, here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, these are things that God says. If you put these in place, if you do away with those things, because they destroy and divide. And if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in darkness if you do that. And your night will become like the noonday. Then the Lord will guide you always. He will set, and He will satisfy your needs in the sun-scorched land, even if you're in a desert circumstance, even if you're going through trials and tribulations, if you, even if you go in the fires, if you do this, He will begin to satisfy your needs and He will strengthen your frame and you will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. And your people will, be, will rebuild the ancient ruins and raise up the age-old foundations, 12 verses. If we did these things, church, and I think of Nanaimo, the ancient ruins in the city, the foundations that need to be restored in the city alone. And God says, I'm challenged in you, Mike, and I'm going to challenge my bride to seek, to save, and set free the lost, not by their words, but by their deeds. You will be called a repairer of broken walls, a restorer of streets and dwellings. You see, true love is a love that acts and not a love that talks. We see this in 1 John 3.18. My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. That's the heart of God. 
God has saved us so through us he can save others. Through us. And I've asked um, and two amazing people in our church, and there's many in this church, that are doing amazing things and you aren't. So please, guys, this is not about condemnation. I mean, I was preparing this and say, God, I've got to make some adjustments in my life. That's all he wants. He doesn't want to harm us. He has plans to prosper us, plans for a hope and a future. But he doesn't want us to keep what we have within the four walls of a building, within our little pink houses. I don't know if you know that song, Little Pink Houses. If you would... If you're my age. He doesn't want that. He wants us to take what he's given us and simply give it away. Abraham, the father of our faith, the covenant that God made with Abraham is, Abraham, I will bless you. And we speak about the blessings of Abraham. But if you go and read that covenant, that's the top line of the covenant. And there's the word, so that you will be a blessing to the nations. And all nations will be blessed through you. As I bless you, I want that blessing to come in and I want it to flow out. Church, we cannot outgive God. This church relies on your resources to exist. We never highlight finances. But the more finances we have as a leadership, the more we can do for the kingdom. It's not about money to be blessed. It's about money, God says, to be a blessing. And God says this, you will never, ever outgive me. Why do I know that? Because he says, I will be no man's debtor. Trust me, and you will see that. And Abraham trusted him. And we had today because of his obedience. You see, these two amazing people, if you're Hannah and Jen, can please come forward. That would be great. I'm asking them to share a little bit of their story. And why I've asked them is because they, they're just two ordinary people like you and I. And I've been part of this story for most of their journey. They've been in this church many years. Jen, how many years? You? Two for at the night services and 12 at the day. <laughs> 14 years. Been watching her walk this out. Johan, how many years? 10 years and 7 years looking in. <laughs> 10 years as an as a, a active member of the church and 7 years looking in. This faith for me, for you will come from the looking in to the active too. So I'm going to ask Johan to come and share a little bit of his story first. Um, about an orphanage that we have. He's an administrator, so he sets his clock first. <laughs> Russ is smiling. When I left South Africa in 93, 
I was done with Africa, uh, to be totally honest. I was done with the corruption, with the poverty, with little black kids with big stomachs. And in my mind, I was done. God had other plans. Uh, Dave and Laura Mocker joined our small group one night, and, and they shared with me this email of two people they met in, in South Africa at a YWAM base. Both families were killed. They were the only two ones left um, uh, by the war in Congo. I'm not sure if you know anything about Congo, but 17-year war that killed over 5 million people. And then just the, the challenges of, of them going back and starting this orphanage. Um, and, you know, as we do in North America, you, you then just carry on with your life. And, but God would wake me up at 3 o'clock in the morning and, and just say, okay, 35 kids, where will you put them in your house? You have a nice big house. Where do you put 35 kids? And just on and on, several nights for, for weeks. I'm a very slow listener. And, um, but the two things that really hit me was when, when God said to me, what if it's your six-year-old daughter on the street, hungry, alone, scared, and there's nobody to hold her. And then these people that give their lives for these children, when six months in, they cannot say, I've done my bit, it's now somebody else's turn. That's it, they now have 35 kids to take care of. So what do I do? I jump on a plane, fly over there, change a few diapers, come back, speak to the church, feel good about myself, and I'm done. And God said, no, what's, what's in your hand? Well, I know a little bit about business. I know a few people. And I said, well, there you go. So our solution is we start a charity. So I don't know how to do that. So I called my friend Brian Sinini here in church. And I said, Brian, I want to start a charity. And, and he said, uh, okay. I said, but I cannot pay you. He said, that's okay. And then I called my friend Grant Phillips, an accountant uh, in town here. And I said, Grant, I need a treasurer, but I cannot pay you. He said, I'm in. I said to Dave and Laura, you know these people, you, you can speak to the credibility, I want you to be on the board. They said, we're in. So we start this charity, we incorporated February 2018, and um, our first task was we wanted to get the kids to school. We realized that without education there is no hope. And in those early days, I need to thank Mike and the elders again, we were not a charity yet, and they just so helped us get the, the money in for the kids to go to school. We raised about $6,000 to get them all the school supplies and into school. In September 2013, they all went to, to school for the first time. And then we had to go. So thankfully, Nathan and Megan Johnson went, went with me. If, if you can just carry on to the next slide. So this is the kids in school and the next one, please. Um, so Nathan and Megan Johnson went with me to Congo, and I was so thankful for them because, you know, first of all, Megan is a nurse, and that's just not my thing. And, and, and she just took care of all of that side. And the attention of 35 kids all day long can be a little overwhelming. It was nice to spread, it, spread the love around. And I think Nathan and Megan will agree with me that poverty there was overwhelming. Um, I grew up in Africa, but I, but I just have not seen that, that kind of poverty. And, and I, I can carry on about that for a while. But we fell in love with the children. I mean, for 10 days, um, this is the next photo there, we, I was just amazed at how could you fall in love with kids so quickly. And um, when they uh, stormed through the gate that very first day, I mean, that was about at that pace was, was uh, the actions with them uh, in, the, in the, the 10 days that we were there. God so provided along the way. Uh, we wanted to get a website built and, and ask a few people. It, it didn't come to anything. 
And, and then we asked this lady, Katrina, she owns a business called Elite Image, and, and she just laughed when I asked her. She said, when I started this business, I told my business partner, I don't have kids of my own, but one day I want to find an orphanage somewhere in the world that I can work with. And even then, God prepared her heart for what he's laid on our hearts to do. Uh, there's so many other examples. Mango Tree School, I saw this name, and long story short, our kids now in Mango Tree School, which is supported by a charity just south of the border here, and they helped us send a container over there. And then the last one that I'll just share is, we purchased some land now that we want to build a permanent home for the orphans, and we needed to get water on, on the site. Uh, our orphanage director couldn't find anybody in, in the city of Yuvira. We asked Pastor Stanley in Bujumbura, and his contact was not in the country. And then through several God appointments, I, I hear about this pumping company in Oklahoma, and, and they have a charity, and, and this guy was leaving the next day for Rwanda, and he's going through Bujumbura, and, and he's going to speak to a guy. And John Peake called me. He has a charity called Think He's Africa. It just so happens he's married to a South African girl from Cape Town. And, and he said, I'm, next week I'm going to Uvira. Uh, I'll stop by the orphanage. I'll pick David up. We'll go to the, to the site. And his whole team was there, and they did a total assessment of the site for us. And it's just, again, God providing, God providing along the way. What I've learned through this process is that this is God's idea that he put in my heart. This is not mine. It's not my vision. It's not, I'm nothing in this. This is God's. And, and it, I trust God that when I'm long gone, this will continue on. Um, and if God calls, God provides. So I don't have to stress about that at all. Um, I get up in the morning. I'm excited. I, I, uh, it's overwhelming sometimes, but... It, it, it just fills my heart with joy to do this. It's, it's such a satisfying thing to run with God. God gives me ideas in the middle of the night, and, and, and I just get up and dot them down, and, and then you sleep again, and tomorrow you get up. So it, it's, if, if there's that something on your heart that calls, God's called you to do, don't be afraid to step forward. It's not yours. You don't have to worry about failing. It's God's. If, God, if it's God's, it'll succeed. If it's not God's, you were on the wrong track anyway, and it's good that you fail and come back. So just a little bit about the progress. So uh, we purchased uh, two acres of land in Congo. Um, we started the agricultural process, planting our own vegetable garden. Um, cabbages are in, eggplants, langa langa, which is a, a wild spinach, is already in. We've got about 100 meters by 30 meters that we fenced. Uh, we've got a pig farming project going, 8,028 uh, piglets already there. And then on the property, our kids are currently in a rented house, so we are, we are building a facility. So on the property, we have now built the guard house. That, that's nearing completion this week. They're putting the furniture in, and the guard will actually be on site to keep the property safe. Our goal for this is self-sufficiency. We, we want to get to a place where not, we don't rely on the government for any services, for water or anything. We want to use what Africa has a lot of, and that's, this, this is a, an... A, Eight children, little house for eight children is what we envision. And in the, in the next one, Bill, um, we want to use what Africa has a lot of, sun. Uh, we we want to use solar power to drive this all. But it was always about more than the orphanage. We want to impact the community around us. Uh, when we do our water supply, there will be a supply for the outside as well, for the community to have water. Our, our main building, we're very excited, and, and the funding has started for that. We, we're building a reading room. 7.2 million children in Congo don't go to school because mainly of poverty and being orphans. Uh, 
So two teachers that currently help our children in the afternoons, children that struggle with, with learning, will stay in the mornings to, to teach kids from the community to read, and moms, widows that cannot read, and the statistics are out there, moms that can read have a much better uh, success rate with raising their kids uh, in, a, in a healthy way. In terms of help needed, volunteers always need help fundraising, getting the word out there. Our next trip, um, Paul's brother Jimmy has already signed up, uh, but there's a little bit of political instability there that we're just waiting to settle down be before we plan that. We're looking for a nurse again, builders, people who can speak French, one of the official languages, people that can just build relationship with the kids, do outreaches in the community. Uh, I'll be in the foyer afterwards. Uh, if, if you need more questions, we're also the last thing, and, and, and we're not here to ask for money, but we still have about 14 children that need sponsoring. Please come ask me if you have any questions about it afterwards. Thank you, Mike. Good morning. Um, I had the privilege of having lunch with Johan this week with uh, my husband, and I just wanted to say that one thing that really touches my heart about the orphanage in the Congo is that their focus is never just on the orphanage. They're constantly looking for ways to impact the community and the people around them. It's never just kind of locked into the four walls of the project that they're doing. And I just think it's such an amazing project. So thank you, Johan, for being obedient to the Lord. Um, so I've been involved at the Crisis Pregnancy Center now for almost 17 years. Next month will be my 17-year anniversary. And um, it's been amazing. It's probably been, you know, apart from having children and being married, the most amazing thing I've done in my life and certainly as a Christian. Um, I got saved at a church here in Nanaimo and for a couple of years I walked past this poster in my foyer um, that was asking for people to knit layettes for the moms because we give baby baskets to all our new moms. And so I would walk by and walk by. And then I came into a season of life where I had some more time and I was in the lobby this one morning and thought, I should call. I've been looking at this poster for two years, also a slow learner. And, um, you know, and there was a part of me that thought, oh, maybe this poster isn't even like up to date. It kind of looked tattered. It had been there for a long time, but I called. And they said, yeah, we still need people to knit. And I was like, awesome. So they weren't open at the time. They were still in formation. Um, they had received their charitable tax number. And the first meeting I went to, actually, they had just received startup funds from a, a national organization in Canada. And so I sort of got in, got in at the ground level. And uh, it took another year and a year and a little bit for the center to open. And I interviewed twice for a staff position and was turned down both times. And then the third time they decided, and some things happened to the those two hirings over the course of almost a year. Um, one lady, her husband got shipped out of town and the other lady just didn't really work out. She decided it wasn't for her. And so third time they figured, I guess we should give Jen the job. She stuck it out. 
So um, I went on staff in June of 2002 when the center opened and uh, was on staff for two and a half years till I had my first baby and then I went on the board. Um, served for 11 years, I took 2016 off and I'm, I'm back on the board as chair this year. Um, we are just a little bit about the center. We're a Christ-centered ministry. We provide pregnancy testing if our clients don't know that they're pregnant. Uh, once we've confirmed a pregnancy or they already know they're pregnant, we do options counseling and talk about um, all of their options. We talk about adoption and parenting and abortion. And um, if they choose to carry their baby to term, we have lots of practical help. We have everything you would need for a baby from zero to age two. Um, if they choose abortion, we have uh, post-abortion counseling as well. And we also provide uh, sexual health education in the high schools. That's biblically based, although we don't say that, <laughs> or we wouldn't be allowed in. So, um, there is a tremendous favor over our ministry in this city, and we're not sure why, although we know it's clearly the Lord. Um, for a city our size and a center our size, uh, they would average about six or seven uh, abortion-minded or abortion-vulnerable clients, and what that means is someone comes in and their stated intent is that they'd like to have an abortion and they're just coming to us for information. We um, already this year have seen 49 and that's not unusual for us. Our numbers are just really high and we actually got a call from Focus on the Family US last year asking, what's up? Like, why you? Why sleepy little Nanaimo? And you know, all we can say is it's just the Lord. I just really believe wholeheartedly that there's this incredible favor over our ministry. And it's not just our ministry. There's other ministries in Nanaimo. We were chatting um, at our last board meeting that are being sought out by other places in Canada and other bigger organizations going, wow, you're doing amazing. And um, I, there's just something really incredible happening in Nanaimo. It's just bubbling, and I'm so excited for the expansion of the church and how God is just going to use having a bigger facility to continue to grow and flourish the kingdom. It's very, very exciting. Um, I'm going to read a couple of client testimonies that our director sent out. I had sent them to Mike, and um, he thought it would be appropriate to share um, so this is from our executive director. She said, at our last meeting, you asked me what I say to help a woman choose life. Yesterday afternoon, God directed two more abortion-minded women to us in order for their babies to be saved. I wanted to share these testimonies with you. These are our eighth and ninth options clients this month alone. The first client was in her early 30s. She was casually dating a fellow but it was not an exclusive or committed relationship. They'd been careful to use contraceptives, but here she was four weeks pregnant. She said, I always thought abortion was for younger girls who were fooling around, not someone my age. I can't believe this has happened. I can't be pregnant or have a baby. I was raised Catholic and to be pregnant is shameful, she said. I gave her lots of empathy and encouragement and then I explained to her that our actions have consequences and pregnancy is a consequence. However, 
Pregnancy in and of itself is not shameful. I argue that a woman can choose whether she will be sexually active, but she can't choose when conception occurs. I asked, if you grew up Catholic, then you believe in God, right? And she said, yes. I told her, I'd like to share something with you that's in the Bible, and she agreed. I went on to quote parts of Psalm 139, verse 1 to 13. He knit me together in my mother's room, etc., etc. And then I asked, is God shameful or no? I told her, a pregnancy is not shameful. God himself is performing a miracle inside your womb as we speak. He's hand-kneading her baby together in the womb. She wept and wept, thanking me. I told her that she's now a mother, and God has entrusted her with a little baby for her to love and protect. God totally softened her heart, and she chose life. She asked if I would meet with the father of the baby to see if we could get him on board since he didn't want her to proceed with the pregnancy, and there's plans to do that. Moments later, the next abortion-vulnerable client came in. She was a high school student who had learned about us through an older sister. Her sister had visited our center once as moral support for a friend facing a crisis pregnancy, and the friend had chosen life, so the sister gave a referral and brought her sister in. Mm. At the beginning of any new client session, we find fill out some intake forms, at which time we established how far uh, she was in her pregnancy, and she was already 11 weeks pregnant. I decided to take her step by step through the past 11 weeks of fetal development and let her know exactly what was going on in her body. She was in awe, filled with shock and surprise at the, at, that she was already 11 weeks pregnant. As I explained the development, I watched her become mesmerized by the reality of this growing life. After looking at the fetal models and discussing development, she said, I thought it would just be a bunch of cells. And if it was just a bunch of cells, I would abort. But the idea of aborting a baby with arms and legs is repulsive. I told her, you're now a mother with a precious baby inside that you need to take special care of. We talked about getting her in to see a doctor right away and making plans about how to take care of herself and her new growing baby. Um, yeah, and so Wonderful. that was a really incredible day, <laughs> mm. um, but not an unusual day. I, as I was thinking about this morning, the scripture that came to mind to me was Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Mm. And, you know, what struck me is that so that we would walk in them, not that we might or we could or we should, but that we would. Wonderful. Because God Jim. has given us all gifts and talents mm. and abilities. And, you know, had God showed me what he had for me and the plans he had for me in this, I probably would have said, no, thank you. But I started by knitting. <laughs> I mm. started with just a little toe in the mm. water and... Over time, God mm. grew my vision and courage and um, everything that I need to be doing what I'm doing mm. today. And I'm so blessed that that He is kind and gentle to us mm. in our in our fear and in our mm. um, insecurities and all of that. Um, I think that we have a we have such an honor to serve God in ministry, mm. whether it's in the church or it's outside in a in a parachurch ministry. Um, but we also have a responsibility to serve. Mm. 
We have Very a responsibility good. to steward all that God has gifted us with in our time, in our finances, in our talents and gifts. And, um, and I believe that God wants us to partner with ministries Wonderful. And, and pour those things out there so that we can impact the community that we're in and the world that we're in. And so I just, um, just wanted to encourage us all and myself included, you know, are we waking up every day and saying, God, what do you have for me today? Who do you have for me to minister mm. today? Where do you want me to go today? Mm. Um, is God on your to-do list mm. every day? Wonderful, Jim. And just seeking to, like, how can I serve you today, Lord? Um, we uh, are constantly looking for volunteers and partners at the center. And so, and there's so many different things that you can do there from peer counseling to administration to being on the board to a maintenance crew. I mean, there's really just about anything you could imagine. So if it's a ministry that stirs your heart, please feel free to come and talk to me. Uh, or you can send an email to us at the center or the church. It'll find its way to us. And... Uh, yeah, I just want to yeah encourage you to just kind of mm. fan to flame those those desires and talents that you have in you that um, areas that God would want you to serve. Amen. Great. We could have the the worship team up and. Um, while Jen was speaking, I just felt impressed um, to read uh, Psalm 103. Um, just, and why I want to do this is because the enemy will try and use our past to stop us moving into our future. And some people in here may have gone through the process of an abortion and feel they're disqualified. But I want to tell you what God says. And God wants to turn our failures into stepping stones for victory. He uses our experiences so that we can help others. If you've been through a divorce or through any trauma in your life or an addiction or anything, the enemy will come and try and contain you and say, you're useless, you don't qualify. But you don't qualify yourself, Jesus Christ does. And he turns your life around. And that's what all that God is asking for us to do. So not all of us can go to the Congo and not all of us can work in, um, in an orphanage. But in Matthew 5, Jesus, in a sense, dumbs it down to this. You are carriers of the light of the world. You are the light of the world. And how do you let your light shine? Through good deeds. Let your light so shine through good deeds that people may see and glorify the Father in heaven. Good deeds. I've told a story how a guy got saved because somebody in our church, an old man, went and helped him chop wood. We had people uh, in winters that used to have spare shovels in their car. Go to a driveway of an elderly person. Knock on the door, say, would you mind you do this? 
create relationship with them. The good deeds start right outside this door. And the majority of us, God has placed us to repair the broken walls and the streets of dwellings in this city. And the cry of God in Isaiah six, uh, chapter 6, as, as um, Isaiah is praying and he has this revelation, he's drawn right into the very throne room of God. And as he sees the glory of God, he begins to cry out, Woe is me, woe is me, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live amongst an unclean people. And while he's praying that an angel comes and takes a coal and, uh, and touches his lips and purifies him. We under the new covenant have Jesus Christ that done that. But straight after he has been cleansed, straight after we are born again, the cry goes out from heaven, whom will go and whom shall I send? And Isaiah sticks his hand up, says, here am I, Lord send me. Can we be a church? that is impacting three, four, five hundred people that come to this church now, doing one good deed, will start transforming the city and our lives. And this is what the Lord, um, David writes, a psalm of David, looking at his sin, his adultery, the things that he had done wrong. He, he wasn't perfect, but he loved God. And he says this, Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my innermost being, praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not His benefits, who forgives all your sin. Sin is sin. A white lie is a sin. Murder is a sin. And he says, well, I can forgive that, but actually Jesus didn't pay for that. No. He forgives all of it. And heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. If you feel like you're in a pit now, God wants to redeem you. And crowns you with love and compassion. And satisfies your desires with good things. So your youth is renewed by evil, like, by, like eagles. Church, my heart is that we'll just go and be sold in light wherever we are. James says in James, four, in James 5, and I wanted to read that but for now. He says, go and read it. You ask, but you don't get. And then he says this, because when you ask, you use it for yourself. People were fasting, worried about themselves, and God says, there's a bigger picture here. I give you life. I, I save you. I set you free so that you can use it for the benefit of others. You see, true God's love, God's true love is this. It acts against its best self-interest. It acts against its self-interest for the interests of others. 
God acted against his, his own interest. When he, he acted against it in sending his son. God says, you go and be my hands and my feet, church. A cup of water, a coffee, a hug. And I'm praying that this year we will not be known just because we've got a brand new uh, a building that we partner with the school of, because we've got amazing worship, because the preaching or teaching is not that bad, but because we love God and we love people. God's glory will come. His resources will come. Dare to believe that God can use you. Amen, church? Let's stand and worship the Lord. God bless you. If you need to go, please be welcome. But if you can stay, I, I feel we can just worship the Lord for a while.